The people have been asking for the full version of the Lovers and Friends song, Jared. Yeah. And every time I post it to stories, it would be logical if I could also put the song. But yeah. I can't. <laughs> Why? I'm going to make you an artist page so that... No, what? See? He doesn't want you. Doesn't that seem it. like you're not proud of the work? <laughs> I am proud of it. Then put it out underneath your name. Gosh. Why? Tell me why. Huh? You, tell me Tell me more. People love the song. You said different lyrics. I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's like, you write the song. Yeah. You put yourself Lovers and artist. friends, I'll take you on a trip. I'm not going to pretend. Yeah, let's talk about how you didn't like the song. <laughs> I loved the song. I just felt like... Jared does scratch vocals yes. where he just puts in lyrics. <laughs> and it seemed to me like you never went back. No, I just felt it was suiting. It felt the vibe was right. If you feel so strongly about it, why don't you put it out on your name? <laughs> I will, but I just, you know, it's convoluting, you know? How is it convoluting? I don't want but to be known dope, as an art. I'm not even on this record at all. How dope would it be? If, like, they looked up your name and you had your own artist profile with the song underneath it. But it's not my voice. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it. You I do. didn't it's your, write it. It's your it. podcast theme song. Yeah. Editor, cut this point out. It's Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I was leaving it in. Oh, I thought nice. it was joyous. <laughs> love, 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 lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, lovers and friends. Uh, I'm gonna hold you down, down to the end, I said. Welcome, lovers and friends. This is the last hurrah of the year. Hey. And it would not be right to not bring this bad boy home without the two people who are really responsible for this whole thing coming together. I mean, it's really me. So it's the two of you in addition to me. Uh, no? <laughs> I can give you that. Uh, Lauren Morrison, executive producer, lead producer on the podcast. Jared Brady, sound design, also the creator of the theme song. Scoring. And sa- scoring. <laughs> Lauren said sound design. I think sound design's better. Okay. I'll take sound design. S- people know what scoring is. Let's go with scoring. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say first and foremost, thank you to the both of you. I know that this was... an extra added workload to our already heavy workload. And we didn't necessarily know what we were going to do or how we were going to do when we started this, when we said yes to this. Um, But you just taken all of my crazy ideas and made them better. And I feel really, I genuinely think this is the best work I've ever done in my life. It's just fun. It's thorough. It's everything I've ever wanted before. It would be literally impossible for me to do this by myself. And some of the best ideas come from the two people here, which is why I asked you guys to be here today. And we're just going to chat about our favorite parts of making this. I, I just remember the fear that I had at the beginning of this when I understood all of the components you wanted to put in an episode. Yeah. And I was like, how would we sustain that for 52 episodes? Because if you think about it, we don't shoot 52 episodes. Yeah, we shoot 156 episodes yeah. to make this podcast. And that's a lot of work. So I think that for me, the big thing was like, how do we not dilute your vision, but make it so that we can actually make it work? And I'm really impressed at the way that we've been able to structure things and bring it all together Mm. and stay relatively on top of the schedule. Let's do the thing that Jared hates to do on his podcast, which is talk about the podcast itself and dissect it. Actually, I don't know if you hate it or Los hates it. No, I hate it too as well. Okay, but maybe we'll... What are things about this that you think that we could improve? And what are things that you're really proud of? My favorite part of this podcast has to be the finished product of the three different pieces that go into it. It's your intro and the two different interviews and then the outro. And I think that was so different for me 
because all the podcasts that I listen to are just interviews. One interview and that's it. You're going to get all your meat and potatoes in that one interview and then nothing else is being added to it. Um, and this is like a different one. I wasn't sure it was going to work, to be honest, until I heard that first episode. Because when you were telling me it, I was kind of like, Shan, this sounds messy. Yeah. This sounds like a mess. Um, but we saw it through and, and you were really passionate about your vision and I'm glad that you were. What do you think that we got to do better, Lauren? I'm like, again, I, I think the the, choreo- the choreography that we have between the three of us is really good. I would love to get to a place where we're, you know, not scrambling last minute. I, I think we had a great buffer at the beginning. Um, and then I think just re- continuing to build upon our guests, right? And I, as we're doing the episodes, it's really sort of that thought process around, you know, what comes first, the guest, the story, or the episode title, or the third segment? Like, what is it that comes first? And I think we're still trying to feel our way through that to see what really is, what what is it, what is the formula that makes the best kind of episode? I think what we've learned is, you know, having guests come in and talk about the thing that they're really passionate about has worked really well. Um, but, you know, trying different flavors of like, okay, we're looking for this kind of story. What kind of guest fits that profile? You know what I really uh, love about the podcast? I love when other people comment on the production quality of the podcast, because if there's one thing I dislike the most, it's doing a lot of work for little reward. Yes, I can't stand it. Um, So I'm always evaluating anytime that we do anything, I'm always evaluating how much work is, are we putting in and how much is the payoff? Because it has to be, you know, 80% of work can't be for 20% payoff. So I think that it's been really gratifying to hear that people are actually picking up on how much effort you're putting in and into this, the design. And it just feels so worth it. That lights a fire underneath me to really do great on the next episode. So speaking of which, What's one episode for you that if you were to send it to people to say this is what the podcast is, you would send because you're most proud of? Do we want vulnerable men? I would say male vulnerability. That was mine as well. I think I'd also say male vulnerability. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. This rhetoric was like, get vulnerable, men. Be more vulnerable. Yes. Get in touch. But people never really explore what happens to men when they do. And what are the downsides? Because, yeah, listen, when I put out that video, there are so many men sharing stories about how traumatic experiences in their childhood were used against them in a random argument. We actually did a video recently on a lady who went on a podcast and she said, you know, I have a lot of problems with men. And they're like, what happened? She's like, sometimes I get a little slick when I talk. They're like, what do you mean? I use their secrets against them. They may not even be consciously doing it, but they're accumulating power. You know, to be vulnerable people is to essentially show your weaknesses, to show like if I was to think about it in like a castle setting, I'm showing you where the walls would break easily if you hit. Yeah. And then I'm so hit if that. you ever want to attack, bitch, you invading easily. And I'm showing you this because I want to show you I trust you. But 100 percent flip the tables. You're getting in anytime you want. You won't hurt me. You won't hurt me. I'm giving you what it takes to hurt me deeply. That one was killer. Yeah, that one was killer. <laughs> that one was killer because. My favorite thing about podcast is, and maybe in life in general, but when someone presents an idea that you're like, I'm thinking one way on it. And then they they throughout the interview, I'm like, wait, maybe I'm switching sides. Yes, yes. Oh, wait, no, I'm going back to this side. And there's that tug of war of like, what side do I actually fit on? And that one represented that so much for me, especially because you go into it being like, yes, I want vulnerable men. That's what I, that's what we want. And then you come out of that episode thinking about all, you know, all these thought starters of being like, maybe I've been thinking about this all wrong. Yeah. 
it was really great from a female perspective to reflect through that because I think that I probably share the thought of many of the females listening to it thinking, of course, I create a safe place for my partner to be vulnerable. It's their fault that they're not showing up. And then when I really started to look at it and pay attention to how do I engage in dialogue, I'll often be accused of of attacking someone. And it's like, well, if someone's using those words with you, then you're not creating a safe environment. So that for me was like a big switch and just learning more about paying more attention to my language when it comes to my partner. And then also changing your expectations to meet society where it currently is. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that was my favorite one. And it's one that people still tag most to this day, which I'm like, move on. We've got new episodes, but (laughs) it's one that starts a lot of conversation. I I actually think I'm going to switch my answer. I think my favorite one is divorce. Um, I do think about divorce because I personally had the shift within the taping of that episode. And I loved Bart and Gio. So when we were going through whatever we were going through, I'm just like, I fucking hate this guy, but fuck it. You never threw the D word at me? Never. During our fights? You did that. Oh, shit, Every I did. single I time. <laughs> Every Catch this single yeah. fucking time. Yeah. Bart and Gio gave what you want a guest to give. They were honest. They were inspirational, but they weren't fake or phony about it. Yeah. And they were real. And we had a really good vibe because we know each other so well. So like that was the dream. And then afterwards to have the three of us and Chris just sitting down, like Lauren, I saw in your notes, you said that I'm keeping in the beginning banter, even though it takes a long time and it's stupid. It just goes to show like, this is- We're family. Yeah, we're really our family. I think you killed that one, Jared. Really? Yeah, Yeah. I thought you did. So even when I was sitting there, we were having the dialogue, I was like blown away by you, which was a great episode for you to do great because it's about me thinking about divorcing you. And I was like, not leaving him anytime soon. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, I think a lot of times when people hear divorce, they think of failure. So if that thought creeps into your mind, you're we're tempted to shove it out. Like, no, I can't think that. But I, I, I haven't thought that in our relationship, but I also, I would allow myself to go there mm-hmm. because I am not afraid of divorce. And I think it is because I witnessed two divorces. And did you see the divorces that you saw as a positive thing? Like, thank goodness that they divorced. As I matured, yes, uh, I can see how the divorce was beneficial for the individuals. But when it happened to me as a kid and witnessing my parents split up or my mom go through divorce with her with my stepdad, I was like angry about it because I was affected by that directly. You did great. Thank you. No, divorce is a is a heavy topic. I mean, I think it's one of those things where I think everybody who's in a marriage thought about it. They don't always admit it. Have you ever really thought about divorcing me? Uh, I would be lying if I said I didn't. That's yeah. a lie. No, I would be lying. I would be lying. I, I would. I would. I, and I, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a case of me being like I'm gonna divorce Shan. I just think of there's times where we'll get into friction, and then I'll let my mind drift off of if this were to end. What what would life look like? Yeah. You know? So I don't know if it's like, I'm done. I'm ready to divorce Shan. But it's more or less like, that could be a reality. Let me like drift off into that moment. Did You never even said anything to me because you listened to that episode. Yeah. And I made a pretty big revelation and change of heart in the episode. Where I sit with it today is that keeping divorce on the table as an option is not a healthy option for me in my marriage and my relationship. And I recognize in myself that I am on that journey of moving away 
from fear to love. And I, if you watch my YouTube channel, you'll know that you've seen the shift happen in me. And that's the journey that I'm on right now. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I am afraid of letting go of fear. I am afraid of looking stupid. I'm afraid of two years from now, this podcast episode being thrown back in my face because something happened and I have no reason to hold on to this fear. And that's why, despite how uncomfortable it is, I'm willing myself to let go of it. And I am going to attempt to enter into a brand new territory with the person, with my husband, with my Jared Brady of loyalty, and of devotion and life partnership, true life partnership. It's a mic drop moment. You, not, you nothing do. that you haven't told me. Yeah, but you didn't come to me <laughs> and like put your hand in the small of my back and say like- And say what? That you're going to stop thinking about divorce? <laughs> yeah, like thank you. <laughs> I know that thank you for stop mentally a, threatening to I leave me every I time I do a, anything that displeases you. I don't deserve to. Uh, that should be like standard. <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, you took out the trash. Good job. Oh, you, do I get a cookie for washing the dishes today or what? No, Jared, I'm removing the fear out of our love. That is yeah. extremely difficult. I believe, I, I agree with that. I guess for me, I, I didn't come off like removing the fear. It came off removing like, you know what? I, this is my partner. I'm committed. Instead of being like, oh, you know, he pissed me off. Divorce time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it, that deserves reward. <laughs> Lord, that was a mic drop moment, just was so it? you know. Yes. <laughs> she only said that to please you. <laughs> she glared at me real That's quick. why Lauren doesn't get breakup threats in my mind. What are people gravitating to the most out of all the episodes that we've put out? Lauren is the analytics person. I'll let you answer this one. Thank let you. love change you. We're going to get into that. But first, this. Okay, and we're back. Let's get to it. Jeannie Mai. Hi, Shan. Ah. Hi, Boo. Hi. That was a great interview and a really fascinating topic. It actually made its way, as Jasmine was saying to us, onto like some gossip sites. Yeah. Uh. So it became like a, it became a conversation starter in some places we did not expect, which is always very, very cool. You're finding yourself now in this space where not only do you love yourself more through the partnership that you're in and like yourself more, which I think is very, very different. Yeah. Liking yourself in reflection of your partner, but you now are creating something with your partner, which is another life. Yes. Have, Have you thought about what does the next version of you look like with baby Jay in your arms? Yeah, I think... What I'm going to prepare for is to be able to talk candidly about everything with my kid. My kid's going to know that they are black and that they are Asian. And they are going to really own what came with that. As an American, it's my responsibility to understand the lives and the needs of the cultures that exist around me. So whether it's black, Native American, Hispanic, like it's... I live and dwell with all of my neighbors that are of different races, so I need to understand what each journey is because not everybody is the same. But then now, being married to a black man, I need to understand even more his journey and his perspective so that I can be of genuine support and allyship to him. But then now having a blood child who's going to be of those mixed races, I need to learn even more Mm -hmm. and adopt it because I can't have this black child 
only be grown up to know Vietnamese culture. Mm. This black child can't just Beautifully be Vietnamese said. and not, you know, understand where his ancestors, his or her ancestors come from or what um, hardship the Jenkins had to go through specifically or what black people had to go through to get a voice in this country. Like there's so much more now because you carry the blood of lineage and of so many who have done so much and died to be in your place. And she yeah. was really candid and really honest and yeah. said it in a way that can be polarizing, but she stood in her truth. And I think that everybody has to respect her for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, I don't know if I should say this, but I, I think that one was my least favorite out of all, all the episodes. Not because of Jeannie. I think I just was never interested in that topic at, to start with of like, you know, what can love change you into, I guess. I don't know. I would agree with you in that. I, I initially thought that it was a softball topic. Yeah. I was kind of like, Pih. but I will say that what Jeannie brought to the conversation and then what, you know, you even, because I, I know you and I were in that third segment, yeah. kind of sharing how you two um, have changed through this relationship. I think that that made it a lot more real and a lot more relatable. Plus even some of the audience um, voice submissions that mm -hmm. came through on like some of the extremes that people had gone to, to change for yeah. love or where people put up their barriers. Like it, it, it became a really fascinating episode. Um, but I would agree with Jared that when we originally started playing around with that topic angle, I was like, meh. And we've had that happen a couple of times yeah. where we didn't think that it we had an episode. Well. Yeah. And then we figured it out and there was an angle that we could take that really made it take off for people. What was your favorite interview? Oh, to be honest, I loved the very first interview I did for this podcast, Full Stop Period, was with the Almost 30 Girls. I do the show and the whole time I'm like keep looking around like where the where the vlog cameras at Yo. like where's the I'm looking for little clues and hints and you see you're covering your face you know what happened the show ended nothing happens and then we go home were you irate oh my gosh I couldn't even get to the highway he's like what's wrong and I was like what's wrong <laughs> Yo. I fucking love that. What's wrong? <laughs> Don't you know that we've been engaged for four days in my brain? And I just had such a blast in that discussion. It was fun. We stayed on topic. We made fun of ourselves. We, they brought insight. Um, it was truthful. So that was a lot of fun to tape. Yeah. My favorite one to watch was the herpes one. Oh that my one. gosh. Yeah. Let me just, yes. Let me just erase my previous answer. Okay. The best interview was herpes. Yeah. And Lauren, you cut that down. And I you remember. were like, every time that you would do it, like, okay, I'll, I'll stop the point right here. You would keep listening and be like, oh, there's five more minutes of incredible content. Like Shira came in and blew me away. And this experience for me has really forced me to look at myself and to understand my needs understand what intimacy really means to me, mm -hmm. consent, and also understand that it's okay to be rejected. Wow. I think that that is such a powerful sentiment that is unique and a fresh take. I want you to unpack that more. What betrayal in this case that happens when you don't disclose or you're not having these more intimate conversations. It's not just a betrayal to the person you're with. It's a betrayal to yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you are also assuming that someone's not going to love you for all of you. You're so, rejecting yourself. Yeah. 
That was hands down the best interview. And that was actually episode two for us, which was, was really risky. Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but with such a strong storyteller and we also had Dr. Ina Park. That was a that was a bomb ass episode. Yeah. I'm really proud that of that one. That was a really great episode. And it was, I, I learned so much in that episode, things that I didn't even know that I yeah. cared to learn about, I learned about. But yeah, that interview, I just remember trying to edit it and being like, I can't cut this down. Like there's just too much. Everything that's being said needs to be said. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that it was a really good one. I also felt um, very strongly in that way with the Ashley C. Ford interview as well. That interview gave me chills to listen to because it was so powerful. It was so revealing and it was so courageous. And I remember when we did that, like when and Ashley came forward and said that that's what she wanted to talk about. You and I both came off the phone and we're like, Ugh. we're not going to talk about that, are we? <laughs> and so we were kind of going like back and forth on like, okay, how do we approach this subject, but do it in a smart way, do it in a compassionate way. And then I remember you started the interview and you're like, let me just be honest and say that this conversation kind of terrifies me. And today we're talking about rape. And I was just sitting there on the other side of the screen being like, God damn, <laughs> we just went there. Well, it, it, I think it was the energy that Ashley brought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Ashley had a way of talking about something that was super traumatic in a way that was like, it was almost like she went through it. She had her her times of like torment with that um, that time and then she was over it. I think because we know that sexual assault is a lot more common than uh, any representation in media or news would indicate. We know that it's very, very common. I think we should be open to having conversations about what the aftermath of that kind of violation does and or can do to a person's intimate experience. I think we've seen it go one or two ways in a lot of our representation, which is that a violation of a sexual nature causes a person to either shut down when it comes to intimate experiences or it causes them to become wildly promiscuous in a way that is destructive because they are doing it without intention or without any real care for themselves. There are more ways than those two ways for this situation to turn out. And when I was sexually assaulted, uh, because I am a survivor of sexual assault, I felt like something was wrong with me because I did not have one of those two reactions. And I thought those were like the sanctioned victim reactions. Mm It was very of, uplifting. Yeah. Like you didn't leave that interview feeling tired. I didn't leave that interview feeling tired and drained. I think a lot of times I've talked about rape before. I've left feeling very tired and drained and not sure if I said the right thing or did the right thing or just like not really, not unsure is probably the best thing. But with that interview, I left uplifted. I love that we went there. And I love that we followed your lead on that because I would have tiptoed way around that just not knowing. So I I think that, and I really respected you a lot as a journalist in that, in that episode as well. I was like, wow, Shan is really great at this. And I loved how vulnerable you were even as a journalist, like this is your podcast, but you came on and you're like, it terrifies me Mm -hmm. 
because I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing. It terrifies me because I have my own unprocessed experience. And it terrifies me because I am afraid of opening myself up for other people to share their experiences. And for me not being in a place where I know how to respond appropriately uh, or that I don't necessarily even want to be a, a soundboard for so much pain and grief. And I remember just not going crazy, like taking out all the pauses because I wanted to really portray what this interview was doing for you, what what emotions it was it was tapping into for you and everything. So I thought you did such a, not, not only did Ashley did such a great job being interviewed, but you did such an incredible job interviewing her. Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. I don't ever think about divorcing you. (laughs) So what about the most fun episode for you to make? Do you know what I had a lot of fun doing? And it's actually the episode that I am not that in love with, but Porn Sucks segment three with Lauren and I was a ton of fun to do. That was fun. That was a fun interview. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like the, you you see the uncomfortable of, you know, Lauren and then you're so comfortable with it. So there's that clash happening. Thinking about this conversation, I realized... (laughs) That we talk about everything. Right. Except for sex. Yes. Which interestingly now, we work together. Yeah. And I talk about sex for a living. Yes. Which means that we have to talk about each other's sex lives now. And you get to find out how much of a prude I am. That's an interesting fact because I was reflecting on that and thinking to myself, is Lauren a prude or is Lauren a lady in the streets and a freak in the sheets? Prude. Okay. (laughs) Porn sex was the most fun for me, for sure. Um, Is it because you had sexy homework? I had sexy. <laughs> so my sexy homework was to watch the Erica Lust film um, three, the, the series three. And I again, like I don't watch porn. So I just remember like trying to fit it in. Like I was doing it while like doing laundry and Chris came over and he was like, what, what are you doing? What are you, what are you supposed to <laughs> Like the was like full on masturbating and I'm just like, they're folding socks. And he's like, why is this, why is this happening? And I was like, I'm, I'm doing work. I'm doing yeah. work right now. <laughs> this is my job now. bothering you during your meetings. <laughs> <laughs> this is my job now. Um, but yeah, I think that that was, it, and it was kind of interesting because of the truth that this is something you do for a living and it's something that you and I don't talk about. Like we talk about everything else, but we don't talk about, because whenever it gets brought up, I'm like, I shut it down because I don't like sharing that stuff. Mm. I know, I know you're dying to get into that. But first, let's dive into this. Okay, and we're back. Let's get back on track. An episode that you're in, that you would be a little embarrassed if someone on the street said that they were listening to it. Oh shot. Oh shot for me too. Why for you? I just think like, you know, there's a there's a level of you know, what happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom. Funny yeah? actually, I was talking to an old work colleague of mine yesterday and he brought it up. He was like, you know, like that part where your sister and her husband were having sex in the closet. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, see? For stuff like that. There's just things that you know, it's just a little awkward to hear, you know? So I, I would say that wouldn't be the most embarrassing one that I'd be like, you know, there's other, there's other ones. Yeah. <laughs> that one's embarrassing for me because I'm talking about something I can't do. I'm like talking about an insecurity and I want to say like a deficiency. So 
penetration orgasms, specifically my lack of an ability to have one without also giving myself outer clitoral stimulation at the exact same time. When I first started initiating sex and inviting sexual experiences and sexual partners into my life, I wasn't getting anything right. I didn't feel an emotional connection. I didn't feel physically tended to. Um, and furthermore, I felt physically broken. Sometimes people bring it up to me like, oh, I like, you know, how you can orgasm from penetration. I'm like, uh-huh. You know, <laughs> so that that one to me, I'm really proud of it though. Yeah. And I know that resonated with so many, the, the episodes that people repost the most is episode three, which is vulnerability and episode one, which is O-Shot. Mm. Um, I constantly see people who like posted that one and just say, thank you for making it. So I know that it was healing for a lot of people and it was really freeing, but it, it is, it's very uncomfortable um, for people to know that about you. Yeah, it's a tough one. I also wouldn't mind if people didn't listen to Barbies and humping pillows. <laughs> That's the one I, I was, when I was editing that one or, or sound or scoring that one, I was like, this is, a little embarrassing. I both love it and I feel that way. This is a little. This is a little embarrassing. Uh, but that, but but I was like, you know, Shan shares these stories all the time. She might be used to it, but I was like, for me, I'd be like, uh, I might have scrapped this one. Yeah, <laughs> I might have scrapped this one. Coursing your friend to hump her pillow. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this part where I was I was cutting it and I was scoring it. I was doing like the initial like um, scoring of it. And there was this part where I added like sexy music to it. And I was like, as if this moment couldn't be any cringier. Right. Because yeah. Yeah, we're talking about a six-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. So Our pillows had faces. They were like back in the day, those pillows that like came with expressions. I want to say that it was a spud, like a potato pillow or something. And I was like, Jalen, like, why don't we, you know, have have some some fun with our pillows? And she was like, okay. And so I was like, kiss your pillow. And so we kissed our pillow. And I was like, show your pillow your shoulder. And you show your pillow the shoulder. And I was like, hug your pillow real. Really tight, and I can't remember how far this went, but I definitely know that it wasn't like hug your pillow really tight. It was like hug your pillow really tight. Yeah, that part where I was taught you talked about being uncomfortable in that Barbie's moment with the pool. I almost felt like I was back in that room. <laughs> I was seeing it from your perspective because I was probably so into the scene, and I zoomed out in that moment and saw you in the corner like going on. So I think that that was, yeah, it was illuminating for me, but it also was another one that people damn me a lot about to say, like, I felt so vindicated by this episode. I've had experiences like this. I always felt weird. I always That's felt a lot really of shame. Cool. So yeah, I, I did get a lot of those. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's natural. The ones that are going to be embarrassing are naturally going to be ones that are going to be the most, most helpful to people yeah. who, yeah, it resonates with. Yeah. I, I feel like that one was, um, especially because mom was in it too. Yeah. And there were so many moments where mom was just straight denying. Well, she was defending herself. Yeah. <laughs> the part that surprised me was the fact that she said that she was obsessed, obsessed with um, sex. That that surprised me. I feel like I don't even know. Did I did she live with us? I'm <laughs> like, again, you know what? I understand that she had curiosity, but I would put it down to what child doesn't. They just have that kind of curiosity about their body. But was it something that she talked about all the time? I would not say yes. No, she did not. She had a million other things to talk about and think about. <laughs> it's like you had the, the lewd daughter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. No, she wasn't. That never I happened. Have, I never used the word lewd. How come we're not talking about her fascination with Play-Doh? Like, why are we talking about that? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I did, I did feel bad for her in that episode. But that's part of the problem, though, because there should be a sense of pride that this was an area of life that I was just naturally connected to, and now look, she has an entire career out of it. So, like, yeah. it's at the time it felt scary, but now looking back, I'm like, she's exactly where she needs to be. Mm-hmm. But I think mom still had to like reconcile with the fact that she could hear her friends listening to it. Let's let's be honest, like sexual liberation is very new right now. Not that it's always been, but widely accepted or mainstream. And so I think that it's still, she's in that mind frame of like, this is private time, you know? Um, But speaking of mom though, I felt that she did such an excellent job in the Living Apart Together episode. Yes. She was incredible. She was you know, just even on that note of like, it's not easy. They don't come on and like share this stuff about themselves. We we do it to be a part of, of your world a lot. But she was just so open, both her and dad were actually just really open about some of the, some of the ways that they've reflected. Like these are people who have been married for 40 years and who are listening to someone in their like 20s talking about marriage being like, that actually sounds right. I, no, I agree. I'll tell you why. Is because with my girlfriends and, you know, with Joan and them, I have also used the term, you know what, Brian and I have been a couple. And they're like, what? I educated them. And they're like, wow, I like that. So after a while, you start educating people about the term and they sort of gravitate to it. And I don't know whether they're using it in their language or if they even remember it. But it's definitely something that going forward, I can see it being out there in my circle because I will start educating people on it. The openness to learn something new about their own relationship versus how easily you could dismiss it because it's like, what does any of us know? Like we won't, we're babies, yes. right? Compared to them. That episode was a lot to film. It was a lot of, it was just a lot going on in my head because I was both protective, but I wanted to be explored at the same time. Right. And so I, in the edit of that, of thinking, what do we keep out? What do we put in? Because I don't want to make anybody look bad because it is an alternative style of love and connection and it can be misinterpreted. So with just handling it with care, but also with honesty. I think that was the tough balance with that episode. Round of applause, team. We have completed 2021. We started this podcast on October the 5th, and I believe that we did some really incredible things. Uh, Number 26 overall in all podcasts. Number 26 in overall podcasts. Number one once in relationship category, up to number 12 in the society and culture category. Number Number nine in society and culture category. Um, Incredible conversation started. Who is your dream guest? Oh, let me read. I want to say knee-jerk reaction is Gabrielle Union, just because people have really outlined that she would be fantastic for this podcast. And I will Uh, say this in 2021, mm. Dr. Helen Fisher, who is a long-term mentor of mine. I don't Mm. know her, but I have followed her career since the beginning of my sex education career. Mm -hmm. I quote Dr. Helen Fisher all the time. I actually have all of her books. And so when we got the email that she wanted to be on the podcast, I was blown away. So that- Esther Perel, obviously, would be another yeah, huge yeah, yeah. one. Will Smith. I don't think... Oh, Lauren. <laughs> don't. Uh, don't pull on my... I really, really want to do an episode about the relationship of fear in love. Yeah. I really... I think from that divorce episode, that theme resonated so loudly. And the way I've seen people talk about that episode since has been specifically around that theme. Yeah. So I think that is an episode... And there's no other guest. 
Yeah. Other than Will Smith. Yeah, mm-hmm. he'll kill that. So I don't know what you guys have to do. You gotta just- Who you gotta sleep with, <laughs> make that happen next year. I would love to hear from the audience, like who do they want to see on the on the podcast? So what you guys can do right now, if you're listening right now, go down to the five-star review area and type in what guests you would want to be on the podcast after you left a five-star review. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Thank you. Jerry's trying to wrap this up, guys. Let's go. <laughs> He hates dissecting podcasts. <laughs> um, this was this is the best thing that I'm doing. And we, I have so much hopes for this. I'm also really proud that we were doing such a good job at this together that it felt natural to lend Lauren's talents over to Enjoy. Yeah. Which happened because JD came in and was like, I to quit podcasting after listening to yours, which is the highest compliment anyone can give. Um, But just thinking about like how having more great minds who are really giving the best of themselves to something you really care about can really amplify it in such exponential ways. No, it's huge. I mean, I'll say it's night and day over there. It's night and day. And the growth is is ramping faster. Um, And it's becoming easier. So... I don't know what you got over there. Some, <laughs> some magic fairy dust over there, Lauren. But it's uh, it's definitely amazing to watch. No, I'm I'm really excited. And you know, when people ask about how things are going, the answer that comes out of my face is always like, I get to spend every single hour of my day doing something that I really love doing. Not only getting to do something that I love doing, but getting to do it for the people that I love has been like phenomenal, outstanding. I'm so grateful that we can all be useful to one another. Like we're not just like coming at this because we know each other. Like we're coming at this because we all have skills that complement one another um, and works really well together. And I've just been really happy with that. This has been such an amazing ride producing this podcast. Shan, I have such an immense amount of respect for you, your knowledge, the work you do. I honestly sit down and I watch you and I'm just like, she's fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Thank yeah. you. Honestly, I do feel that way. I, when I hear you just like rail off information, you never, like, you don't even stutter. You don't even, you just, you just know your shit mm. inside and out. And you have such an amazing delivery of it. It's no wonder why this podcast is doing so well. And I also really admire your vision to go be above and beyond it annoys the hell out of me sometimes, especially like me and Jared, when we're like, yeah. she's changing it again. She's changing it again. Yep. But I do know how much you're invested in this podcast and how much it means to you that this is the best thing that you do and that it's so meaningful to your audience. So having that care and passion is amazing. I sometimes just wish it was in a more timely manner. Yeah. What a speech. Here, yeah. here. Yeah. Clink your mugs together, folks. We your lovers and friends mugs. <laughs> To be designed 2022. I don't think you can top that, Jared. Are you going to try? No. Are you going to try? That's. I'm not going to try to follow it up. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to all of you, man. You made this a dream come true. You showed up. A lot of you have never listened to a podcast before. I am brand new to the podcast world myself. So I know that starting this new habit is extremely, um, it's a, it's a lift. It's a heavy lift to start something new. So to anybody who started their podcast journey with lovers and friends, thank you to those of you who are avid podcast listeners who made space in your schedule to make this part of your week. Thank you so much. You are a genuine dream come true.
Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Sham Boudram and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Stitcher's Jackie Sojiko, Two West Entertainment and Workhouse Media. Our mixing engineers are Brendan Burns and Marcus Hom. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher. Lovers and Friends, Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I said. Lovers and Friends, uh, I'm going to hold you down, down to the end, I said. Lovers and Friends, uh, Lovers and Friends, end, I said. Lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said, I'ma wax that, I'ma tax that, bring it back so you can mac that, pack that. Where you going? Press play, podcast streaming, got you going all day, talking about the good, good. Girl, you know you look good, sex, bringing sex, feeling understood. Yeah, you find it now, he no good. But if you listen, pay attention, you can find out how to make a miss. You got a ticket, baby, you just lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I said Lovers and friends, uh, lovers and friends, yeah, and I said Lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I said